Welcome to Add Passion and Stir. Big chefs, big ideas. This is the Share Our Strength podcast about people who are changing the world. I'm your host, Billy Shore. It's amazing when you realize how central food is to so many things that we care about. It affects our health. We see kids with nutritionally related problems, many of them overweight even though they're undernourished. It affects our ability to learn. She had to make sure she had lunch in the classroom because at the end of the day, that was going to be all she got. Food security affects our strength as a nation. Within arm's reach are people who are hungry, and there is a anxiety and a stigma attached to that. Today we're in Boston, and I'm with two people that I consider icons of civic engagement. It would be hard to find two Bostonians who are more involved in the community than Jody Adams, uh, the chef and the restaurateur from um, Rialto at the Charles Hotel and now Trade, um, and a new Greek sandwich shop called Saloniki, if I got that right, Uh, and Paul Grogan, who is uh, so well-known here as the president of the Boston Foundation, uh, long career in government and now outside of government, and uh, many people consider him somebody who's responsible for really transforming this city. So welcome to each of you. It's great to be here. Thanks, Billy. Nice to see you, Paul. We're going to talk about a lot of things today, but one of the, and particularly about philanthropy, since you're both involved in philanthropy in so many different ways. Jody, at an individual level with as many organizations as Share Our Strength, Partners in Health, the Pan Mass Challenge, uh, and Paul at a, at a macro a community foundation level. But before we do that, I thought it'd just be interesting to have uh, each of you say a little bit about uh, how you got to where you are today, what were your origins and, and what you're doing now, but particularly where you started and, and what the journey was. Let's start with you, Jody. I come from an academic family a Yankee family, a Waspy family, one that never went to restaurants. And yet food was extremely important, and having a meal around the table was the focus of our day. No matter what happened, we sat down. My mother cooked from scratch. It was simple but great food. And I also found that um, good food made people happy, and making good food for people made me happy. And I was really fortunate to eventually, at about the age of 24, find that I could support myself working in the world of food and found my way into restaurants. And sort of the rest is history, but never um, became disconnected from that desire to connect with people through food and through the kitchen. So in this world that you introduced me to, really, with the ability to leverage cooking for people who've never worried where a meal has come from, to helping serve people who worry where every meal is coming from has been a tremendous um, privilege to be in a seat as a chef in a well-known restaurant. And just uh, before we go on, you said the rest is history, but just say a little bit about the history in terms of what was your first break in terms of getting into the industry? I cooked in, in high school and in college in a catering company. I worked for a woman who taught cooking classes. I worked um, in a gourmet food store. And through those relationships, I met Julia Child. And that she really was the person that opened the door for me. She said, come to Boston, work for Lydia Shire. And anybody who knows or knew Julia knows that you always do what Julia tells you to do, or did. And anyway, so I did that. I came and I, and I got a job with Lydia. Gordon Hammersley was the sous chef. Gordon Hammersley went on to open his restaurant and asked me to be the sous chef there. And um, so I just were, had this great 
experience of working with wonderful people who care tremendously, not just about food, but about community and about being a big part of the community. And it started with Julia. Um, Paul Grogan. Well, I well, I find I'm getting awfully hungry listening <laughs> to the names of <laughs> that, all these legendary here. chefs and great restaurants, and uh, it's great to be with uh, Jody. Well, in my case, I, I came from a family of uh, public servants, uh, educators, clergy in some cases, and I think I always assumed growing up that I would try to be in, involved in social change in some way or another, and obviously the uh, being a baby boomer, the, the experience of the 60s, the civil rights movement, the assassinations, the the uh, the uh, eruptions in America City had, uh, I imagine, a deep uh, effect on me. But my career has been really pretty, pretty accidental. Um, in 1975, a college uh, buddy who had come to Boston and was working for then-Mayor Kevin White uh, talked me into coming uh, to Boston. I'd been teaching in a, in a private school in the Midwest, and I caught on in a very junior role with Kevin White, and thinking that I'd uh, be there a couple of years and then go to business school or law school, something really sensible. And I ended up staying 10 years in city government, uh, uh, Kevin White's final two terms, and then uh, uh, Mayor Ray Flynn honored me by asking me to stay, and so I had a couple of years uh, uh, with him before going to New York to run a Ford Foundation-sponsored organization that was uh, marshalling private capital for inner city revitalization, had a chance to build that into a very large national organization uh, doing great things. And uh, and that's the Local Initiative Support Corporation? Yes, or yeah. LISC, LISC. As, as, as it is called, uh, which uh, is now over 30 years old and uh, is putting out about a billion dollars a year in, uh, in support for affordable housing, community facilities, supermarkets, and uh, uh, other valuable uh, community assets. Um, and uh, I, I love that. Uh, did that for 13 years, but I was on the road uh, all the time and had a young family growing up and so was looking for an opportunity to uh, do something a little saner. Had the chance to come back to Boston uh, initially to work at Harvard and try to work on their poor relationships at the time with the city of Boston and the city of Cambridge, and we made some progress there. And uh, then the Boston Foundation opened up, and uh, I was very familiar with it, having had worked uh, with the foundation when I was in city government. And it's just a great platform to do a lot of things. So I guess the connecting theme has been cities, and this city in particular is what has uh, drawn my interest over the years. And I've done different things, but had a chance to pursue those interests uh, in uh, in every venue. It seems like this city, Share Strength works all over the, uh, the country, literally every state, every city. And we work with community foundations. We work with thousands of volunteers. But it seems like Boston is such a rich laboratory for philanthropy and civic engagement. There's an incredible number of nonprofit organizations here, whether it's City Year or Year Up, or I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, Jody, you've been involved in a lot of them. I'm trying to think about, I'm, I'm curious how you think about what's the best way to get engaged. Why is that the case in Boston? And uh, how do you make your philanthropic decisions? Well, I think that Bostonians and people from Cambridge um, and other far- people in the in the area are people who like to get things done and don't take no for an answer and very active um, in all parts of their lives and so I think you know we look at a problem and say there's got to be something we can can do about this recently and um, two years ago my friend Louisa Kazin and I were talking about school lunches in Boston public schools we know that for instance 
In 50% of the schools, there are no kitchens, and the food is shipped in now from Long Island, frozen. Um, I think that's changed slightly, but that was the case two years ago. So not only is the food not um, made on the premises of the schools, but it wasn't even made in Massachusetts, Boston. And it just can't taste as good if it's no. coming from that distance, right, it in terms definitely of freshness. It didn't, and... didn't taste good. And so we started talking about what could we do about this, gathered a group of people together. Some folks from Cooking Matters came, yep. you know, uh, and we got collected all kinds of people to talk about the question. And we got actually to Mayor Menino, and he was convinced that we should look at the possibility of building a, a central kitchen to so to service the schools. So it's in- incredibly encouraging to me that we saw a problem, we started talking about it, and it took some time, but it's actually something is happening. And I think advocacy is so critically important. That's how things change. That's it, You don't have to have a million dollars to make a change. You can just collect a group of people who care deeply about solving a problem. One of the things that's been frustrating about our work at Share Our Strength, but it's also been an incredible opportunity, is um, there are, and Massachusetts is a good example, Massachusetts is one of the states uh, that ranks very low, unfortunately, in terms of the percentage of kids who are eligible for school meals, particularly breakfast and summer meals, but are actually getting them, uh, even though it's 100% reimbursed by the federal government. This really goes to what you were talking about, Paul, in terms of resistance to change. So here's an issue that is, it's not an economic issue. Um, and one of our signature strategies is to move breakfast from the cafeteria to the first 10 minutes of first period. And um, when you do that, participation rates go from 40, on average, 45% to about 95%. Attendance starts to improve, test scores start to improve, tardiness goes down, visits to the nurses go down. But the resistance to it initially, just because it hasn't been done that way before, and some of the mythology around, uh, is this going to create a mess in the classroom? Uh, Turns out that it doesn't. Uh, unions have been uh, concerned about that and, and other communities where we've worked. Is it going to take away from instructional time? We've actually found that it adds to instructional time because what's been happening is a lot of kids don't show up early enough to go to the cafeteria before school. They show up on time and still go to the cafeteria instead of going to first period because they're hungry. So when you move it to the classroom, teachers and principals and superintendents are telling us now that we've actually added to the instructional time of the day, which of course is like the coin of the realm if you can do that without extending the school day or the or the school year. You know, we've had a very similar experience with our exercise programs. What has been found is when students use recess for vigorous, well-organized physical exercise, when it's time to start school again, they settle down much more quickly, they're much more yeah. attentive, and the testimony of, uh, of the teachers and principals in the school where we've had this wonderful exercise program called PlayWorks, it's, it lengthens the school day. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, absolutely amazing. But isn't it discouraging that in the case of the breakfast program, here's an obvious thing to do, and it, it would have such an everybody. impact, and we're not doing it. Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and it's traditionally a time of gratitude and reflection, and one in which many of us ask ourselves how we can be helping others in our community. At Share Strength, we've come up with a very simple but fun way for you to get involved. It's called Friendsgiving. To find out all the steps for success in hosting a Friendsgiving party, go to nokidhungry.org. And just imagine being at Thanksgiving dinner while kids in our country are thanking you.
I'm here with Paul Grogan from the Boston Foundation and Jody Adams, renowned chef and restaurateur. Jody, you and Paul have both talked about uh, advocacy and the role it plays. I think you've been involved with Project Bread as well, which is a major uh, and effective advocacy organization here. Um, how do you think about the import of uh, public policy in terms of the work that we're doing? Um, I'm struck by the fact that uh, Paul worked in government um, you probably, you're so popular, you could probably be elected mayor here if you wanted to. Um, oh, yikes. Um, <laughs> but, but you've both chosen to, to work in the in kind of the nonprofit sector and, and affect change that way. And so I'd love to hear you thinking about that. Well, listening to this conversation tempts me because, and I, when you were talking about the, um, how powerful the um, Boston Foundation has been in um developing arts, the arts and, and uh, healthcare and hospitals and things like that. And I was asking myself, so how could we make school lunch in Boston Public Schools something sexy? It's all kids, I mean, huge number of, of Boston kids go to public school. Um, as I said, they, I think they get 80, some of them get 80% of their meals there. And they can, 100% of them can get two meals there plus snacks. It would solve so many problems in terms of um, the health and welfare of children. And yet it's, it's like this thing that we can't get our hands around it's I don't know if it's sand through our fingers or an amoeba or jellyfish or something I just it just seems like it's it's as simple as feeding a child and yet it's so very complicated and and that would be something to me when we talk about innovation and everybody's talking about innovation in food and the, the innovation hub centers and if we could do that for Boston Public Schools that would be a major innovation so you, know, you and I might be coming back to the Boston Foundation. I think to so. Talk I'd, I'd this welcome. could be another feather in yes. your cap. I'd welcome. Yeah, I think this is a. Cha- I mean, this is such an amazing challenge, and it it's things will change. We need to um, really fire up the parents, and because they are the people who will advocate for their kids and connect with them and give them voices and give them power, and then listen. And we've got a long way to go with the schools. I think one area where, where food as an issue has made real progress is in the whole conception of what, what community development is now. It's not br- just bricks and mortar. It's not just housing and commercial facilities. But the subject of food, both as a business and access to healthy food for the residents, has really come to the fore. And you see, and we've mentioned some of them, the programs that have, have grown up in in Boston that are doing uh, community gardens and uh, working with the health centers to educate people on food, pressuring the, the, the neighborhood stores to stock m- more produce, um, bringing, getting supermarkets back into the uh, inner city. So there's been a kind of a, and continues to be a kind of ferment around this that there didn't used to be. So I'm, I'm is, hopeful about that. I am, I am extremely hopeful as well. And actually, last night I went to a... Um, program called Pitch Pitch In, which is, do you know about this? No, I've heard of it, but I don't really know about it. It was um, started by Todd Daggers, and it is a 
Shark Tank for nonprofits-ish. Oh. I don't know uh -huh. that they really like that term. But anyway, it was a series of people with really smart ideas who do nonprofit work and were pitching for support and dollars. And, could, and so could get funded by the group behind Pitch In. Or anybody in the audience. Yeah, okay. And there was a young man there. His name is Josh. I can't remember his last name. But his pitch was about, you may have heard of this, um, Fresh Truck which is um, a program where he has taken school buses and outfitted them as um, grocery stores, mostly produce, and they go to neighborhoods in the South End and Dorchester and Roxbury, I believe, where, where there haven't been um, markets that provide fresh fruits and vegetables. And he's having great success great, great success. And those kinds of things are the, and Shara Strength has done things with school buses and right. turned them into little restaurants. That's and, right. you know, what I've learned from my work with Partners in Health is that if change is going to happen, we have to go to where the change needs to happen and then stay there with people and help make, you know, make the change. You can't, it's like with, with anybody you won't know, if you want to make a relationship and you want to change something through a relationship, you can't you just do it through your phone texting. You actually have to go and hang out with that person. Well, and I think it changes you as well. Um, For sure. I know my experience going to Ethiopia after the famine, um, Haiti uh, after the earthquake, New Orleans after Katrina, not with an expectation that I'd be able to change things in any significant way, but with an instinct that I would be changed by what I saw and felt and uh, my motivation and, and energies would be renewed. Um, as we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about um, innovation. I know that uh, the Boston Foundation uh, was, and I know this because Share Strength had the same experience, we were each awarded a uh, White House Social Innovation Fund grant. Um, I think you're using it to work on schools and mentors in schools. Yeah, college um, completion, basically. Yeah, college completion. So talk a little bit about how you have tried to um, build the, I guess, the ethic of innovation or build innovation into the culture of the Boston Foundation? Well, uh, it's really just opening ourselves to, uh, to the nature of this town and what goes on in it. And uh, I think people have been deeply affected by uh, what's going on in the private sector. Uh, this phenomenon I described of reviewing the history of the foundation and just finding out how much nonprofit innovation is occurring and that the, the Boston Foundation has backed that. I think we've created a whole new awareness at the foundation that is very exciting to people, that there's been this license to back untested ideas and, and, uh, and willingness to, to, to fail. At, and, but there have been a lot of big winners, too. So I think just to identify with the success of an organization like Year Up, you know, it's been thrilling, I think, for, for folks at the foundation to see what's happened there. And, you know, the first money for that came from the Boston Foundation. Incredible. Jody, I know you're attracted to innovation as well. You've talked about partners in health, um, and you're also an innovator in the culinary world. Tell us a little bit about what comes next for you. You're opening another restaurant I, in, in Back Bay. In Back Bay, uh, name yet to be disclosed. Um, I am. I'm leaving Rialto. That's pretty public, and it's a bittersweet decision that I've made. Um, but I feel that, that I'm. It's a time for me to do a different kind of work, to work as a teacher and a mentor with um, the people that work for me, but also to be able to spend more time in Haiti, to go down more than once a year, um, and to really 
dig deeper into um, the organizations like Share Our Strength and the Greater Boston Food Bank that I'm committed to. Childhood hunger and nutrition are, you know, just so important to me, and and ha finding the time, finding more time to be able to focus on that. Um, Paul. In terms of what's next for you, I, I, I like to think of, uh, I think, you know, we're close to the same age, so I like to think of you as a young pup. What do you have next? And just given your experience, would, have you ever even thought about running for office? You'd be such a phenomenally competent, effective leader. Well, I, I, uh, I thank you very much. I have been complimented over the years by people suggesting that I might run for office, but uh, I just haven't been able to marshal. The, the, I know too much. Yeah. <laughs> Having worked for two mayors and, and known countless others, I know a little bit too much about uh, the, the level of commitment that's required. And I feel badly that I'm, I'm not ready to do that, but I try to try to help in uh, in other ways. Uh, you know, I think I have the best job in the city. Uh, we're doing some exciting new things. You mentioned innovation. We're creating a new v uh, grants vehicle at the foundation called the Open Door Fund. And it's really to reemphasize this idea that the foundation really is open to new ideas. Bring them forward. We won't be able to do every one, but uh, if you look at the history of the foundation, I think a whole uh, burst of creativity will come forward, much of it uh, hopefully backed by, by the Boston Foundation. So to be in an institution like that with the range of issues we're dealing with, and Jody, as you said, with the, the kinds of people we're in contact with uh, every day, I feel very, very grateful to be where I am. And that feels like a pretty refreshing distinction from a lot of other foundations, at least that I've had experience with, who are like, no, we fund this, this, and this, and our doors are, or, you know, there's not a sense that the door is wide open. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very unusual. It's been, un, you know, unusual in Boston. And one of the things I feel good about, we used our centennial campaign to really broaden understanding of how important that is to have a source of support for untested ideas, but that sound good and should be tried. Well, I said at the beginning you were both icons of civic engagement. You've proved me to be true, at least in this one case. So thank you, Jody Adams and uh, Paul Grogan. Thank you for being on Share Your Strength. Great to be with you both. Yes, thank you. I hope you'll go to our website, shareourstrength.org passion, to discover how you can get involved to make a difference in your community. Add passion and stir. Big chefs, big ideas, is the podcast from Share Our Strength. The Share Our Strength community believes that everyone can share in the global fight against hunger and poverty, and that in these shared strengths lie sustainable solutions. Today, Share Our Strength focuses these strengths on making no kid hungry a reality in America. Add Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our senior producer is Carrie Thompson. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Add Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhull. I'm Billy Shore. You're listening to Add Passion and Stir from Share Our Strength.